I enjoy having them live downstairs. Number one, Anna feeds me. Uh, number two, I get to hear the concerts as they're practicing songs, whether it's for Rob to sing or for groups or whatever. And uh, so I got to hear that one in practice. I just wish they would do it before I go to bed. Uh, but at any rate, I'm just kidding. I appreciate uh, that song. What a great truth. He's God. He has not changed. Uh, on June 28, 1974, I was a 16-year-old boy. And my church has sent me to Hammond, Indiana for the second ever uh, national youth conference being held at First Baptist Church. Never saw anything like that. There were probably three to 4,000 teenagers uh, gathered there uh, at that time. And it was a Thursday night. And uh, when I went there, I was about to enter my senior year of high school. Uh, I, I pretty much had my future in my mind mapped out. I had already uh, received word that I had uh, scholarships available to the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, my plan uh, was that I was going to major in uh, journalism, minor in archaeology, and I wanted to pursue a professional career in writing and a side career uh, in studying uh, ancient things. I wanted to go over to the Middle East of all places uh, it was a different place back then, and I wanted to uh, poke around Egypt. I wanted to find out where King Tut's brother was buried and discover him while I uh, wrote and all that. But that Thursday night, uh, God interrupted my plans. He does do that, you know. Um, he's got a plan, and, and his ways are not always our ways. And uh, that night, I struggled with the Lord for a while, but that is the night that I, I made the second most important decision of my life. The first was to get saved. That happened in August 1972. Uh, this was the second one where I surrendered my life lock, stock, and barrel to the Lord. By the way, I have never regretted either decision. Never regretted either one, and neither were you. And I knew God had called me to preach. I didn't know in what way or capacity. Uh, it was not something I sought out. It was not something I ever wanted. It was exact opposite, but I knew it was God, and I surrendered that night. I'd never been in a service quite like that one. Uh, the invitation lasted uh, for two and a half hours. It lasted longer than the rest of the service had. It was not one of those man-made forced things that they just kept it going. It just God just kept working. There were uh, scores and scores of teenagers, maybe a hundred or more, that got saved that night. Uh, other young men like myself were surrendering their lives to preach. Others were just getting things right with the Lord. They were making decisions that meant they need to go home and get right with mom and dad. And there's just something about it when God moves in a service. And I'd, I'd never seen anything like that. And that night for those two and a half hours in, in that uh, invitation, the, the invitation song was, I have decided to follow Jesus. How many know that little chorus? And I had learned it shortly after I got saved, right along with happiness is to know the Savior. Uh, but for two and a half hours, that song was there. the next day, Friday morning, uh, in the closing service, uh, that, that was the song that was the invitation for the closing service of that youth conference. So that song was embedded in my heart, I have decided to follow Jesus. We often talk about making a decision for Christ and so forth. Interestingly, the word decide is not found in our Bible. The word decided is found one time in our Bible. Uh, it is found in 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 40. And the Bible said, and as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. 
And the king of Israel said unto him, So shall thy judgment be, thou hast decided it. And this is King Ahab uh, speaking to one of the sons of the prophets uh, and so forth. And it's the only time that the word decide is used in the Bible. Uh, the word decide, if you look it up, I, I study words. I like to know their meanings. Words have meanings. The, uh, and language is a rich study. The word decide is a word... Uh, we think it means to decide to do something. I'm going to move in a new direction or whatever. But its very first definition, if you, if you research it, means to cut off. Meaning there's something that is a part of our lives and we're going to cut it off. It means to cut off, to make a distinction, to distinguish, and here it is, to put away from oneself. So there's something that I have, something that I do, something that is a part of my life. The word decide, its very first definition means I'm taking whatever that is and I'm putting it away from myself so that I can bring something else in its place. The Bible does not use the word decide as we understand it, other than that one time when King Ahab used it, speaking to this, uh, this preacher boy, the Bible uses the word choose over and over again. And interestingly, it means the same as the word decide. As Joshua is bringing his final message to his people at the age of some 110 years of age, He's talking to the remnant of those who were old enough to remember Egypt. They were there. Uh, they started their youngest part of their lives in slavery. When they came out of Egypt, uh, they, they would have been uh, somewhere under the age of 20, uh, that type of thing. And uh, they remember that. They remember Mount Sinai. They, re they walked through the Red Sea. They ate manna for 40 years. Uh, they were at, at Kadesh Barnea the first time when, when their parents said, we don't believe God. And, and they were judged to, to wander the wilderness for 40 years until that generation died. They outlived their mom and dad. Uh, and they were the generation that came back in uh, to Kadesh Barnea. They saw Jericho fall, the Jordan River part. They saw the conquering of the land. It's that group of people that are still left. They're now old people, older people. He loves to talk about us like that uh, in Sunday school. But this was that generation and their children and their grandchildren. Joshua's about to step on, uh, step off the scene. And look at verse number 14. Now, therefore, he's reminded them of everything God did of how God kept his promise. There's not failed one good word of his promise. Joshua's taught them. He says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood. That means in Egypt. Believe it or not, the Israelites, some of them, many of them, if not most of them, served Egyptian gods. It had been a part of their lives and their, their lineage for 400 years. It was just something they did. He said, put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And notice this, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. I've always wondered, why did he have to say that? Why would it seem evil to serve the Lord? God is a good God. Am I right? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Uh, we, we touched on that a bit this morning. But he looks at these people that have seen all that God's done and said, now, 
if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord. Sadly, even today, there are a lot of people who claim that they're saved who think it's a bad thing to serve God. Well, if I surrender to serve God, I'll miss out on things. Yeah, you'll miss out on sin and you'll miss out on addiction and you'll miss out on, you'll miss out on all that stuff. Yeah, and, and by the way, when you get to heaven, uh, because you, you didn't serve God, you'll miss out on eternal rewards. But, but it's going to seem evil to serve. Well, if, if, if I tithe, I'm, 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 I'm going to miss. Yeah, you're going to miss out on your barns being filled with plenty and your presses bursting out with new wine. You're going to miss out on God pouring out a blessing on you that you will not have room to receive it. You're going to miss out on so much if you obey God. Isn't that isn't it amazing? Rebellion makes people. Seth, say it again. Rebellion makes people stupid. Um, but he had to start out with that. If it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord. Next word is choose. Choose you this day. Decide. Means the same thing. Whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the flood, that's in Egypt, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. You know, the ones that weren't strong enough to beat Jehovah. If it's bad to serve God, well, pick one of those. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people made a decision. The people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Now, I want you to mark this portion of scripture, if you would, because we're going to come back. We're going to do a bit of a Bible study and then make some, uh, I hope, hopefully some very brief but necessary applications on this. The word decide, the word choose, again, to cut off, to make a distinction, to distinguish, to put away from oneself. I want you to understand that this is a Bible teaching. We're on the first Sunday of 2023, and this is the time when so many people make New Year's resolutions. We, we start thinking of, of uh, uh, what we'd like to see God do and, and make some decisions for Christ. But I want you to understand that we'll have no positive benefit from anything until we understand that the word decide starts with putting away some things. It's not just about hanging on to everything that I've been doing in my lifestyle and my attitudes and my treatment of people and my vocabulary and my music. I'm going to hang on to all that stuff and I'm just going to add reading my Bible every day. I'm going to add going to church faithfully. I'm going to add going out so many. Those things are fine, but if you haven't put some things away, it ain't going to work. It's, it's going to fail miserably just like it did last year and the year before that and the year before that. If we're going to see God do something in our lives and in our church, we're going to have to take the word choose and the word decided in its biblical context and start out with, Lord, is there anything that I'm holding in my life right now that I need to cut off, that I need to put away from me and let God show us what it is. And by the way, he'll show us clearly through his word. And then deal with it the way God said. And once that's done, then we can, we can put on what God wants us to have. It's a biblical truth. If you don't believe me, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, please turn with me. Told you we'll be doing a bit of Bible study here as we uh, look at the message tonight. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, 
a, a familiar passage. It is repeated several times in the Gospels. When God repeats something in the Bible, it's God's way of emphasizing, underlining, highlighting, shouting this truth, saying, this is important. This is one of those that, that happens. Verse 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Before follow me happens, there has to be deny himself. The word deny, if you look it up in your Strong's Dictionary. Now remember, the word decide and the word choose both come from the same roots. They both have the same meaning, to cut off, to make a distinction, to distinguish from, to put away from oneself. The word deny means a departure from, to disown, a cutting off or cutting away, a putting away from oneself, from oneself. Isn't it amazing the word deny and the word decide mean exactly the same thing? They mean exactly the same thing as the word to choose. So if I am going to follow Christ, the Bible says I can't do that unless first I deny myself. There are some things I have to put away from myself. Jesus said elsewhere uh, in, in repetition of this exact same verse, this exact same truth, he said uh, anybody who does not do that cannot be his disciple, cannot be, cannot be. Does Jesus ever lie, yes or no? Is he wrong? No, but it's amazing how many believers think that they can ignore the teaching of the Savior, ignore his clear words, do their own thing, and, and it's still going to work out. The Savior said, you can't be my disciple unless you, number one, first and foremost, deny yourself, then you take up your cross. You put away from yourself everything I find wrong and displeasing, then you take up your cross, that which I have for you, then you can follow me, then and only then. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. We see that same word, de uh, deny, a departure from, to disown, a cutting off or cutting away. When I was a boy, we lived on a, a farm with a massive garden. That's how we, we lived through the year. And uh, my father uh, would always, every year, we would plant a huge section of our garden in tomato plants, uh, tomatoes, peppers, and cabbages. And uh, uh, there in, in the late summer, uh, my mom would begin canning tomatoes, uh, tomato sauce, tomato juice, uh, uh, you name it. Uh, she was just, you know, whole tomatoes and that. I think cooked tomatoes are just like the most disgusting thing in the entire world. I I'm sorry, there's something about the texture of that. Uh, I know we don't eat that in heaven. I'm pretty sure I know where they will through eternity. But my mom would spend uh, uh, hours every day and, and days for, for several weeks uh, canning the tomatoes. I mean, we had a harvest. We were harvesting uh, tomatoes every year as I was a boy growing up uh, by the, the wheelbarrow load. Uh, my dad knew what he was doing uh, and so forth. And one of the things my dad would do is those plants were at a certain stage of their development and the blossoms were coming out on which would grow the tomatoes, my dad would go through and we'd have row after row, long rows, uh, about uh, a 
an area as big as this auditorium uh, and so forth. And my dad would go through there and he would pinch off a part of the plant. He called them suckers. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay. Uh, they, they just kind of in between, you know, the main stalk and the shoot that was coming out that had all the blossoms on it. They would grow out these. It, it looked like the rest of the tomato plant, but my dad knew what he was looking at, and he knew that those suckers were not going to produce a single tomato. He knew that they would never have a blossom. He knew what he was looking for. He, and it, a lot of it had to do about when these, these suckers, as he called them, made their appearance, and my dad would just pinch them off. And he explained to us the reason for that is if you don't, the sucker is going to draw the nourishment away from the parts of the plant that bear tomatoes and they'll either uh, not bear very many tomatoes or the tomatoes will be real scrawny. Um, and sometimes they may not even go to fruition, they'll just drop off. So he would pinch off the suckers and just let them fall to the ground and, and they would die. Um, there, there's an idea that the Savior uh, is teaching us that if we're gonna follow Christ, we need to pinch off all the other things that are going to drain the spiritual life from our lives. Uh, we're, we're not going to go forward. We can say, I've decided to follow Jesus. That is a wonderful thing, but are you ready to deny yourself? Are you ready to take the word of God and let God say, that shouldn't be in your life. Are you willing to pinch it off? Put it away from you. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You've heard me say this many times. But I believe in all of the, the, the churches the great apostle Paul planted, I think the church at Philippi, the first one in Europe, and the church in Thessalonica were maybe his two favorites. When he writes to them in Philippians and first and Th second Thessalonians, uh, he has almost nothing negative to say about e either church. He brags on both of those churches, the churches of Macedonia, to that carnal, wicked church in Corinth, uh, and so forth. There were just something amazing about them. I want you to notice what he says of the testimony of the church at Thessalonica, which, by the way, there is a church today in the modern-day city of Thessalonica. There is a church there today that can trace their spiritual roots back to the Apostle Paul. They claim that they have the records in their archives that go all the way back. That's, pretty, that's a pretty good lifespan for a church, amen? Look what Paul says, verse number five. For our word came not unto you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Ghost, in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia, northern Greece. Achaia is southern Greece. This church in Thessalonica, Paul was there for less than a month. Less than a month starting that church. They got so grounded, their testimony was so vibrant that they became a testimony to everybody in that region and everybody in the entire Greek peninsula, but it went beyond that. You've heard me mention them often. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, put in there Wallingford, Connecticut, but also in every place, your faith to God word is spread abroad 
so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and here it is, and how ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You don't turn to God and hold your idols. You turn from your idols to the living God. You have to put those idols away. And then you get to turn and embrace the living God. It's that whole idea of putting off. I've decided to follow Jesus. Um, that's great. You're going to follow him. But the Savior said, before you can follow me, you have to deny yourself. You have to put some things away. That's what Joshua was telling his people. You need to put some things away or, or you can't follow the Lord. Uh, going back to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Um, the people listened to Joshua's message and uh, uh, verse number um, 21, the people said unto Joshua, nay, but we will serve the Lord. Uh, they, were, they were just decided, yeah, we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to follow the Lord. He's the one that brought us out of Egypt, and he brought us through the wilderness, and he brought us into the land and gave us the land. We're going to follow the Lord. In verse 22, Joshua said unto the people, ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have what? Chosen you the Lord. Remember what that word means. I don't want to have to repeat it again to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. And here's his instructions, verse 23. Now, therefore, next word, put away. This is the, this is the generation that conquered the land. This is the generation that ate the manna. This generation saw the, the, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. This is a generation that, that was at Mount Sinai, that actually were in Egypt, that saw the parting of the Red Sea, saw the parting of the Jordan River. Joshua is talking to them. They said, we're going to serve the Lord and, and all of that. And Joshua said, okay, if that's true, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you. After all that time, they still had some idols. I wonder what idols we've got in our heart. Wonder after all this time what we're holding on to that we haven't let go of, but we still want to claim that we're following Christ. We still want to we, we enjoy the blessing of God. I wonder what it is we're holding on to. You realize what they've seen God do? We can't even imagine what they've seen, and they're still holding on to idols. So verse 23, Now therefore to put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. Doesn't that science sound an awful lot like Matthew 16, 24? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny, choose, and decide. All have the same meaning. Put away. Put away first the idols that are among you. And then incline your heart unto the Lord. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. As Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he's about two-thirds of the way through. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Let's go. You did really well at this this morning. Let's do it again tonight. Would you read this verse with me, please? Here we go. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon are the unrighteous riches of this world, uh, the wealth of this world. Go back and look at the first part of it again. Just, just read right before the colon with me. Ready? 
No man can serve two masters. How many people can serve two masters? None. No man. He didn't say some people can, but most can't. He said no man can serve two masters. Based on what the Savior said, and can the Savior lie? Did he misspeak? Uh, did he mean to say something else? And it just, that's just kind of how it came out. Is that it? Yes or no? Not even a little bit. He said, no man can serve two masters. So according to what the Savior said, how many people in this room can serve two masters? Zero, zip, nada, none, not a one of us. You can't do it. He said, here's what's going to happen. You're either going to love one and hate the other. You're going to hold to one and despise the other. He said, you just can't do it. You cannot do it. So in other words, you're going to have to give up one of them. You got to give up one of them. You can't serve two masters. So if God is going to be my master, I'm going to have to give up anything else that one would want to have mastery over me. He said, you can't try to do both. And that's, what, that's what's uh, holding a lot of Christians back in their, their walk with God and in, in having that victorious Christian life of seeing God move, of watching God do amazing things. It's because they, they've somehow got the idea the Savior made a mistake. He didn't know what he was saying. And I can hold on to the things of the world and, and still follow Christ. It'll work out. And the Savior said, you can't. Nobody can do that. Uh, James put it this way. He said, whosoever therefore will be the friend of the world is at enmity. That means, with, that means at war with God. Go over into the Ukraine and ask the average Ukrainian who their enemy is. Who are they going to say? Putin. With a name like that makes you just want to expectorate. Does it not? They'll tell you right now who their enemy is. How do you think it would go over in Ukraine tonight if somebody had pictures of Putin in their house and it wasn't on a dartboard? They had it framed in flowers and candles underneath saying, isn't he handsome, isn't he awesome? Do you think that'd go over very well? No, because he's the enemy. But man, we do that with the world all the time. We do that with the world all the time. Churches are going down that road at an alarming rate. Let's bring the world's music in. Let's, let's look like the world. There, I, I saw something, a, a, a statement the other day that was alarming. It said, if you read the Bible, you will find out that modern-day Christianity doesn't look anything like the Bible. That is a terrible indictment against our generation. We've decided we can love the world and love God, and he's okay with it. He said, you can't do it. You cannot do it. So if we're going to follow Christ in 2023... If we're going to go to a new level, if we're going to see God do things on a level as never seen in our lives before, we're going to have to do more than our average idea of what it means. I've decided to follow Jesus. I'll just show up on Saturdays. And I'm glad if you come on Saturday. Shame on you if you don't uh, come out soul winning. Shame on you if you can't come out to prayer meeting. Shame on you if you can't come to Sunday school. Shame on you if you can't come to church. You're here Sunday night, so I won't say shame on you because you're here. But think about it. All, all those things, I'm, I'm glad you're doing But if you're still hanging on to sin in your life and the things of the world in your life, 
um, you're not growing. You're not going to grow. You're not going anywhere because you're defying the teaching of the Savior. You're still trying to serve two masters. And I say to you, as Joshua said to his people, choose you this day whom you will serve. And remember the word choose. Put some things away from you and choose the things of God or if you don't, you are automatically putting God away from you for whatever it is that you have chosen that defies his word. Well, I don't want to be in that place, do you? So there are some things we're supposed to put away from us. Time's getting away. Uh, like this morning, I have a multiple point message. So we're just going to narrow it down a little bit. Can I get you to Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12. You know, the, you know the passage, wonderful, wonderful teaching of Scripture. The Bible says in verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He's talking about those people of Hebrews 11, uh, the forefathers of the faith that have gone before us, that are a witness to us, saying this is what it means to live by faith. This is what God does when we live by faith. This is how giants fall and, and the walls of Jericho come down. This is how you see the promises fulfilled. We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Notice the next phrase. Can you read it with me, church? Hebrews 12.1. Let us lay aside some of the weight. What's it say? Every weight. How about most of the weight? No, no, he said every. How many believe in an, uh, that, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God? How many think maybe when, when, when the apostle Paul was penning this, he just got carried away and he really meant to say most weight? How many think that? Okay, nobody. He means every. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So I cannot run the race unless I lay aside how many weights? Every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And my role model in this is whom? The Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your place here for a moment. Go back to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, think like Jesus thought. Have the same attitude and mindset towards the things of God that he had. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It was no sin for him to say, I and my father are one. That was not robbery. That was not stealing from the glory of God. But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, in his case, he had nothing sinful to put away, did he? He had no weights to put away. He set aside his rights. He was God. He is God, who became flesh into one. Am I right? Is that scriptural? Sure it is. Um, he willingly set that aside. He put away his right, his rightful claim. The Bible says he humbled himself and he took upon him the form of a what? Servant. He was king 
and he took upon him the form of a servant. So he put away that which was rightfully his so he could take away that which his heavenly father wanted for him. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the mindset you and I are supposed to have. We're supposed to get over ourselves. Ta-da. We're supposed to stop thinking we're all that in a bag of chips, that the chips, that the whole church has to bow to our will, that we are the smartest person in the room, that we are whatever we think we are, and realize in the sight of God we're just a sinner saved by grace. Love that song we sang tonight. And 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 so forth. I'm supposed to follow the example of Christ who put away that which was rightfully his, because he had no sin, he had no weight, and he took upon him the form of a servant. Do you understand unless he had put that away taking on him the form of a servant would have been a hard thing to do just like you and I can't follow Christ unless we put away that which is wrong and sinful go back with me now to Hebrews he's our example looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith so there's a race that is set before us before we can run it we have to lay aside the sin we have to lay aside the weight we're going to do a simple illustration and then we're going to look at one more passage of scripture and we'll be done tonight simple illustration let us lay aside how many weight every weight the sin which does so easily beset us brother tim behind your chair i have a couple of kettlebells would you bring them out for me please these are 30 pound kettlebells how many have seen these things before if you go to the gym you know what they are they're kind of heavy how many think he ought to just hold them till the end of church I think what he ought to do is put him up and hold him above his head like this. How many think he can do it to the end of church? Nah, he doesn't think he can do it to the end of this sentence. 30 pounds is, is, is pretty heavy. So uh, I'm, I'm going to have him hold them in a particular position. Those are weights, okay? Uh, they're heavy. Now, um, Tim is supposed to serve Christ. The Savior talked about... Uh, giving a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple. I got four young men down here on the second row, and uh, they have agreed to help me. And each one of you has a cup. Could you hold it up? Could you turn it upside down? Their cups are empty. And I can tell by looking at them, they're thirsty. Their parents don't feed them, don't, don't help them out. They're thirsty so that you can turn them upright. These, these four young men need something to drink. Okay, here's a child of God, and, and he is supposed to give a cup of cold water uh, under one of these children in the name of a disciple, okay? So, Brother Tim, I've got some water for you to deliver to them, okay? Now, what I'd like you to do, I want you to hang on to the kettlebells. Can you uh, kind of bring them? There you go, okay? Brother Tim, would you please... Pick up that pitcher, and I want you to walk down the stairs, and I want you to fill each cup of water, but you can't spill any. Do I win? Do, 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 do. How much money do I win if I pull this off? Ooh, impressive. Ryan, Ryan is terrified right now. Can't spill anything. Now, Tim, cooperate with my sermon, okay? Don't help him out, Ryan. 
Put it in, put it in your lap, buddy. Put it there. He spilled already. Ryan, don't drink it. It came out of the baptistry. Okay. <laughs> we have no idea what's been in there in the last uh, week or so. Actually, it came out of the baptistry faucet just as bad. Um, that doesn't work so well, does it? That's the same way as you trying to serve God with your bad attitude. Same as you trying to serve God with your wrong friendships. My Bible says that... Uh, uh, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Uh, Proverbs, uh, that's the word of God, am I right? So when he says companion of fools shall be destroyed, does that mean they shall be destroyed? Yes? Say, so what's a fool? Well, it's not just immoral people. A fool is a liar. A fool is a thief. Anybody that knows the word of God and ignores it, does their own thing, is a fool. A fool is a gossip. A fool is a backbiter. A fool is a tailbearer. A fool is a rebel. Rebellion makes people stupid. Read your Bible. It's all through there. Um, uh, uh, you know, we, we can go on and on. A, a fool is anybody that knows what the Bible says, but they think that they can do anything uh, they want and still serve God. The Bible says companion of fools shall be destroyed. So in other words, if you're going to lay aside the weight, some of you are going to have to clear off your friend list, and I'm not talking just about Facebook. Some of you are just going to have to go through your, your list of friends and say, look, you want to criticize everybody under the sun, you and I can't be friends. Some of you are afraid to do that because you know that the moment you do, they'll be criticizing you behind your back as much as they do everybody else. By the way, can I let you, are you tired, little man? <laughs> can I tell you this about, about people that criticize other people to you? They're criticizing you to them. Critics have no loyalty to anybody but themselves and to no cause but their own. That's the way they work. They're backslidden rebels. Time to clench the jaw, study the floor. If you're going to put away some things, you're going to have to put away some friends because those wrong friends, evil communica communications corrupt good manners. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. You, you, you can't. You can't. Keep it both ways. Turn, if you would, Brother Tim, thank you. Um, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. There's a lot of things, a lot of weights we've got to get rid of. We've got to get rid of our authority issues. Some of you young people got to get rid of your attitude to your mom and dad. I'm glad you come out to activities. I'm glad you go out on teen soul winning and so forth. But, but if, if you badmouth and backtalk your mom and dad, you're not right with God. You're not going to grow and you're going to miss out on what God has for you. You need to lay that aside. You need to put that away from you. Ephesians chapter 4. Would you look with me, please? The Bible says in verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth from this time forward walk not as other Gentiles walk. The Ephesians, they were generally a Gentile church. said, I want you to walk the way other Gentiles do. Don't live the same way in the vanity of their mind having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. What a vibrant description of a lost person's mentality. Okay, he said, don't walk like them. Don't live like them. Don't talk like them. Don't act like them. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness 
to work all uncleanness with greediness. They don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They don't really care what God says. And they've given themselves over to anything that fulfills the desires of their flesh. And they're greedy about it. They want as much of it as they can get. Verse 20, here we go. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him, you've, you've heard the word of God. You've heard of Christ and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22, that ye, next two words, church, in amazing, those two words are together. Same, it's where the word decide begins. It's where the word choose begins. It's the word deny. That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Did you notice what came first? You put off the old man so you can put, off the new, put on the new one. Brother Tim, can I get you to go back down with the, the weights and the water one more time? Oh, and he's got to carry it back down this. Oh, he's not going to do it together. Someone learned his little lesson. And you don't have to go all the way down. Okay, we saw, we saw that he's going to spill it. Uh, and and he, he made it kind of a little bit of the distance with Ryan, but he slopped a bit of it. By the, I guarantee you by the time he got to Lincoln, Lincoln would go home and his parents would say, I thought you were potty trained when you were 12. None of you got that yet. It would have been a mess, wouldn't it? Because your, your hands would have been shaky by the end, not just trying to hold everything, but now trying to maneuver it. Okay, here's what God says in Ephesians. Put off the old man. So before you try to serve water to the thirsty, put off the weights, and now you put on the new man, which is after God, verse 24, created in righteousness and true holiness. That's always God's way. That's God's plan. Okay? Thank you. That, I just want that illustration. You can just put it down. Uh, thank you. Now he's giving us some examples. Verse 25, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. In other words, you can't tell the truth to some people and lie to others. Put it, just put lying away. Just stop being a liar. And now speak every man truth with his neighbors. Verse 26, be angry and sin not. Your anger doesn't give you the right to cuss and swear. You're mad about something? That isn't right for, for you to lose your testimony and go after other people. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Don't let the devil get in the back door of your life because you got a temper that's uncontrolled. In other words, put, your, put away your temper. Verse 28, let him that stole steal no more. There's the putting away. But rather let him labor, working with his hand the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Put away so you can put on. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's swearing. That's lying. That's gossiping, slandering, backbiting, criticizing, complaining, uh, all host of other th uh, things. Let no corrupt communication. The word no, by the way, comes from a Greek word that means no. None. You don't, you don't get to hang on to some. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Your conversation in the last 24 hours, did it minister grace to people or did it tear people down? raise questions in their mind. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God 
whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let, what's the next word, church? Oh, you might want to circle that. Let all bitterness, not some of it, let all bitterness and wrath, the word all applies to everything that follows. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, next phrase, church, be put away. Did you see it's there again? Lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us. Let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And the whole definition of decide and choose, it all begins, be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. This teaching is found all through the Bible. I believe we sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, and we, 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 we mistakenly believe, I can hang on to my rebellion, and I can hang on to my attitude, and I can hang on to my mouth, and I can hang on to whatever it happens to be, and I can follow Christ, and, and God's just happy that I'm serving him. No, he's not, because you're not biblically serving him. You don't do that until you put away that which grieves him. You put it away, and then you follow Christ. Then, and only then do you please me. Here's the problem. I think there are believers today that do not care whether they're grieving the Holy Spirit or not. Because they, they hear the preaching from Ephesians. You don't even have to hear me preach Ephesians 4. You just got to read it. But you've continued on in your rebellious way. And you act, you're, you're doing it in spite of what the Bible says in black and white. You're telling me and everybody else, including God, you don't really care if you're grieving him or not. You're not going to have a very nice time at the judgment seat of Christ, my friend. Neither am I if that's my mentality. We need to put away those things. If we're going to have revival in our church, if we're going to have revival in our homes, if we're going to see God take us to, to new heights as believers, we're going to have to get this truth down and be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that every time he says, Tom, that needs to go. I don't fight him over it. It's yes, Lord. That goes. That goes. There's no growth without it. There's no revival without it. He said, if you don't do that, you cannot be my disciple. Is there anything right now in the course of this message the Holy Spirit's already spoken to you about and you know you've been grieving the Holy Spirit of God? My question is, are you going to walk out of here the same way, holding on to it? So I know the Bible says, but I think I can serve two masters. You're calling God a liar. And you're saying, I don't care if I'm grieving him or not. I'm just putting it out there as blunt as possible because we need to understand that's how blatant we are in God's face. Please don't be like that. Please don't be like that. We got a world that's lost and on its way to hell. The time is short. If, if there was ever a time God's church needed revival and God's people needed reviving, it is now. And it is time that we started putting some things away so that we can truly follow Jesus. Go back with me one last time. Matthew chapter 6. 
Matthew chapter 6. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 16, one last time. It's repeated at least three times in your New Testament. Matthew chapter 16. And would you read verse 24 with me? Ready? Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Follow it up with, for whosoever will save his life, meaning you're gonna hang on to what you wanna hang on to and you don't care what the Bible says. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. I'm not gonna find all that God has for me and hang on to my weights and my sins at the same time. It doesn't work that way. God has a plan for you, for our young people, for our older people and everybody in between. God has a plan. God's not done showing me his greatness. God's got a plan for me today, tomorrow, and the rest of this year. The only way I'm going to really see that plan unfold and enjoy the blessing of God according to the word of God is I'm going to have to be willing to put away anything that grieves him. I mean, put it away and follow him. Then the blessing comes. God's got a plan for our church. We've seen God do great things in 25 years that I've been here. Some of you have been here longer than that. Do you know, we haven't seen anything yet. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's not a verse about heaven. That's a verse about now. That's, God's got something planned for us. We're never going to see it if we don't change. We're never going to see it. So what are we going to do? Father, thank you for the Bible.